reference to it in the course of the message, but really it's just leading us into a thought uh, of really what we want to share to you over in the book of Ephesians. But the Bible says in Proverbs 25, verse number 25, As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Let me read that again. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you and praise you for the, just the sweet spirit of this place and God, the wonderful spirit of the singing. God, the congregational, the choir, the, the special music, the trio. God, how it's just encouraged us and strengthened us and really, Lord, prepared us, Lord, to preach your word. God, I need your help tonight. I need your anointing. God, I need your touch to preach. God, what you've laid upon our heart. God, we know your word has power. It's quick and powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of bone and marrow. It's a discern of the thoughts and intents of our heart. So, God, I pray may your word go forth tonight in great power and may it accomplish the intent for which you give it tonight. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this evening. Again, Solomon gives us some words of wisdom in Proverbs 25, 25, as he gives us the idea or the illustration here of the blessing of cold waters to a thirsty soul. If you've ever been thirsty and got a drink of good cold water, it, it really, it doesn't just quench your thirst. You really feel it from head to toe. And if you've really ever been really, really thirsty and you got a drink of a good, cold, dipper full of water, I mean, it was a head-to-toe experience. It wasn't just, oh, wow, that was nice. I mean, it, it really changed you. It changed the way you felt. It changed the way you looked at things. It changed your whole outlook on life because, hey, if I can get a dipper full of good, cool water, man, it encourages me to go on. And so he says, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. So it's good news from a far country. Going over to Ephesians chapter 3 now, if you will, tonight. And again, we understand as the, the, the wisdom from Solomon gives us here, he's talking about the refreshing nature of things, specifically talking about good news from a far country. I'm glad to report to you tonight we have already been given good news from a far country. We call that good news, the word for good news, we call it the gospel. It's what the gospel means. It means good news. And I'm glad one day God sent the good news my way. Brother Jeremiah alluded to the good news when it came his way. And if you're saved by God's grace here tonight, the good news of Jesus Christ has come your way. It came from a far country. It came from heaven's shore. It came from God above. It came sent through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He came down to a babe in a manger, lived 33 and a half sinless years. It was crucified on a cross, buried, and rose again victorious over death, hell, and the grave. I thank God for good news from a far country because it sure is cool, refreshing water to my thirsty soul. But as we have that in mind, the blessing of the cool water and the wonderful nature of good news from a far country, I want us to keep that thought in the back of our mind as we approach Ephesians chapter 3. Because tonight I want to preach about and to the church. I was just thinking all day today, Lord, what do I preach? And Lord, help me not to preach the same thing again. <laughs> 
Lord, what do you want me to preach? I had, I had two verses on my mind all day long, and we'll get to those at the end of the chapter tonight. But the Lord just drew my heart to Ephesians chapter 3, and I really just want to share some thoughts and words of encouragement to the church two times in Ephesians chapter 3. The apostle Paul addresses the church specifically about her purpose and her role. We'll go through those in just a moment, but in verse number 10 of this chapter, he said the church is to be a revelation. The church is to reveal things to the world. We've been given by God to the world to be a revelation to them. We'll talk about that. But then second of all, as we approach the end of this chapter, the apostle Paul says not only is the church to be a revelation, but the church is to give glory in the world. That's what we're here for. We have a twofold purpose. Number one is to be a revelation, and number two is to bring glory to God. But how does Paul explain that in this little chapter? So let's look at it tonight. There are three things Paul talks about as he addresses the church at Ephesus. Verses 1 through 6 gives us Paul's revelation. Verse 7 through 13, Paul's ministry. And then finally in verses 14 through 21, Paul's closing prayer in this chapter. Let's look at them in that order. Paul says, verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, Paul was serious. I think part of our problem today is we're just not serious. We don't mind being called a Christian. We don't even mind good services, brother. We love them. We do. We don't mind good services, but when it comes to being serious about God, I mean serious about the things of God, of eternity, about that good news, about that cool water to a thirsty soul, most of the time it's, well, that's a preacher's job. That's somebody else's job. Well, I, I don't know. I just can't. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. Are you part of the church? Are you a part of the church? Say, so which one? I'm not a member of Calvary. I'm not a member of Cherry Grove. I didn't ask if you was a member of a local assembly. I said, are you a part of the church? You see, to be a part of the church, you must be born again. If you're born again by the grace of God, you repented of your sin, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are part of the body of Christ. Now, I don't know what local assembly God has placed you in, but you are a part of the body of Christ, which is the church. And if you're part of the church, you've got a job to do. Most of us don't think about that. But if you ever read the Apostle Paul, Paul never one time talks about vacation. He never does. I like vacations. I'm fond of them. I really do. I like them. I'm not against them. I like them. But you'll never hear Paul talk about them. He did take a, he did take a cruise one time. <laughs> His didn't go very well. Amen. And I do think they were having a singing at sea. <laughs> Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. That was their theme song. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Paul didn't talk about those types of things that sometimes we think are so important. I'm, again, I'm not against vacation. I'm not, some of y'all getting ready to leave tomorrow, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just hurting you bad. I'm not trying to hurt you. Jesus said to come apart before you come apart. I understand that. That's good. I need to come apart. But everybody I've ever talked to, including myself, because I do talk to myself, when you go on vacation, you come back to recover, don't you? I mean, I mean it, is, it is like one in a million. You go on vacation, you come back and say, man, I'm rested. Whew. I'm ready to go. No, you come back and you say, I'm worn out, man. I need a break. I mean, we do. You know what? We're really not taking a vacation. In the sense of 
coming apart and resting. And, and, and refilling and refueling and, and reviving. So what we're doing is we're going and playing and doing all the things that we really like to do when we, didn't have, when we have to work. That's really what we're doing. We're playing. But when you read the life of the Apostle Paul, he never talks about that. It's sort of strange. Well, no, it's really not. Not when you read what Paul says about himself. He talks about himself being a servant in different places. He, 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 he describes himself always in a term of submission. You ever thought about that? He always describes himself as a servant of God. He was always under God's authority. He was always a servant of the living God. He never describes himself as a man being over anything. He was just a servant of God, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is in verse 1 again. For this cause I, Paul, the what? The prisoner of Jesus Christ. He said, man, I'm a prisoner. That's all I am. Have you ever, have you ever thought about it? We, <laughs> have you ever thought about yourself that way? I'm talking about as a, as a Christian. A preacher, get on to me if I don't come to church or not. If you're a prisoner, you know you're supposed to be here. Prisoner knows roll call comes. You better be there. You won't be in trouble. Amen. Amen. You, you may miss mess time. You may miss you know, recreation time. If you don't show up, if you're a prisoner, you understand that. Because the prisoner has authority above him. Paul said, I'm a prisoner. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He says, verse 2, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, if I start preaching every verse, we'll be here till tomorrow. You've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me, you were. He's talking about his ministry. I gotta, I gotta get where I'm going here. In other words, he said, I'm a prisoner of Christ. I've got a responsibility. I'm a servant of God. He said, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me to you, word. in other words, God gave me something I've got to give to you. God gave me something I've got to give to you. By the way, if you're part of the church, God's given you something you need to give to the world. If you're saved by the grace of God, God's given you something you need to be given to the world. He's given you a cold drink of living water. He's given you good news from a far country. You need to be sharing it. But Paul said, that's who I am, verse 3, how that by revelation, he's explaining how all this happened to him, how his ministry came about, how that by revelation, he made known unto me the mystery in other words, so whole oh, is amazing. By the way, you say, man, I got to reveal a mystery. But like, what is it? What is it? Now, granted, it was a mystery, but it wasn't a mystery. I mean, God knew it. God had been revealing it all through the Old Testament, but it was a mystery in the fullness of it. Amen. He says, find my place here. Show me, known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words, verse 3 into verse 3, verse 4, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Well, what is that mystery, Paul? What, what are you telling us? He says, verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now. I circled those three words, as it is now, those four. Amen. God was revealing it from Genesis on, but not as Paul was revealing it. You see, Paul, or excuse me, God through Christ had opened it up to Paul in such a way that when he read Psalms and when he read Isaiah and he read the accounts of Christ and his burial and his birth and his death and his resurrection, hey, Paul said, that's it, that's it. That's what God's been trying to tell us. And he said, that's the mystery God revealed to me. That's the mystery. He said, it's been hidden. 
God's made it known to me as it is now. It's revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets in verse 5 by the Spirit. Here's his ministry. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the what? By the gospel. What does the gospel mean? Good news. In other words, Paul said, that is my ministry, is to let the Gentiles know. By the way, as far as I know, everybody in this room, except for maybe Phil. I always call him my Jew. He's not, but I always call him that anyway. My, my little rabbi, that's what I call him. He looks, he looks like a rabbi. If I could just get him one of those little skull caps, little garments, he'd, he'd cover his red head as red as he's getting right now. Yeah. <laughs> as far as I know, all of us in here are Gentiles, as far as I know. Do you understand what the gospel meant to us? Do you have one inkling of what it meant? I mean, we sit here tonight, Calvary Baptist Church, Union Grove, North Carolina, and Independent Fundamental Bible, even Baptist Church. You're like, oh, we got a good preacher. We're in the Bible Belt. Man, we got preachers coming out of our ears. We got good Bible preaching. We got good Bible singing. Man, we got God. But do you realize without the Apostle Paul, without God giving him the good news from a far country to the Gentiles, we don't have anything. You see, God revealed to him. We had seen it in Rahab. We had seen it in Ruth. We had seen God opening the gospel to the Gentiles. It was in the Old Testament, but not until Christ came did God reveal the fullness of that opening of salvation to whosoever will. And it wasn't just the seed of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but it was to every man. They could be born again by the grace of God. Paul said, that's my ministry. By the way, if that gospel ever consumes you and it ever gets deep in your soul, it'll consume you. Because you'll realize what you've been given. I'm a Gentile dog by Bible definition. I am outside the promise until Jesus Christ. (laughs) But when he came as the Gospels record the veil of the temple was rent, Seth, from top to bottom. No longer did man have to come to a high priest and have them go and make an offering for sin. No, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, he made one offering once forever, Hebrews says, for the sins of the world. He rent the veil from top to bottom so that everybody, church, everybody could be saved. Paul said, that's my ministry. We're so consumed, though. We're just like the Jews. Let me be nice. The Jews thought it was just theirs. They hated Paul because he's going to the Gentiles. We ain't Gentiles. We ain't like them. God's ours. He belongs to us. God is ours. He belongs to the Jews, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. How dare Gentile dogs think they can be a part of our heritage. But if we're not very, very careful, we can become Baptist Pharisees. By the way, they had a rich heritage and they did have the oracles of God. And it was of them that Isaiah and Jeremiah came and David, the great psalmist, wrote. He was of the seed of Abraham. He was of their line and heritage. And thank God for those men. But when you put God in your bubble, in your box, you become.
becoming a Baptist Pharisee. Preacher, they're not like us. They need the message, friend. They're thirsty people who need a drink of cool water. Hey, they're in a far country spiritually, emotionally, mentally. Say, what do you do? Take them good news from a far country. That is our responsibility. Paul said, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ and my ministry is to take the gospel to the Gentiles. He said, that's my ministry. That's why I live. That's why I breathe. Why do you live and breathe? Why do you live and breathe? I, I said last night in church, I said, some people accuse me of wanting every man to be a preacher. I don't, but I do want them all to preach. Amen. So that didn't make no sense. Oh, yeah, it does. Yes, sir. Preacher is more like a thing you do on a regular basis in front of people a lot of times. But to preach just means to proclaim truth. Right. Now, all men don't necessarily need to be preachers, but they all do need to preach. In other words, they all need to proclaim the gospel. They all need to be proclaiming truth. And what's killed us is that we, we somehow think, hey, preacher, man, I came last night. We had good preaching. Oh, who are you preaching to tomorrow? You heard a great message last night. You heard a great message yesterday morning. Who did you preach to today? Well, I tried to get them to church. I didn't ask you about it. If you invited them to church, I said, did you give them the message? God gave it to you. What would you do with it? I've been meditating on it all day. Good, what'd you do with it? Well, I, I've been praying on it. That was a good one. But what did you do with it? You see, we've missed the whole concept that God gives to us so we can give to others. God gives to us so we can give to others. God preaches to us truth as you heard it all day yesterday. So on Monday, you don't have to go in all mealy mouth and oh, it's Monday again. You can go and say, praise God. Did you know what I learned yesterday? I heard two of the greatest messages. You won't believe what the Bible said. You say, preach, why go into work like that? People think I'm crazy. No, they may start thinking you're a Christian. I'm going to give you a little secret. You start living like a Christian, everybody's going to think you're a preacher or a missionary. All you got to, I mean, you don't have to be a preacher or a missionary. You start living like a Christian and all think you are one. All you ever talk about the Bible, that's what I love. All you ever talk about going to church, well, that's what I love. I mean, I, I, you've been talking for the last two weeks about people getting saved. Isn't that great magnified conversation. Don't you ever talk about anything else? Well, is there anything else? Well, the NBA playoffs are going on. Well, I already know the end of that. You do, yeah. Somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. In fact, I can tell you even now, I can tell you I am a prophet. Don't stall me because I'm going to be correct. I can even tell you who's going to win and who's going to lose. The one that scores the most wins. The one that scores the least loses. You watch it and see if I ain't right. But people are all, that's all they talk about. The weather, the rain, the races. And we're killing ourselves. There's nothing inherently wrong with all those things, but they're pointless. There's no good news in that. There's no cool water in that. There's no help for a thirsty soul in that. There's no life-changing truth in those things. And Paul said, I'm a prisoner to the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the life-changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, that is my ministry. He said, it was given to me by revelation. He said, the gospel should be fellow awares. That the Gentiles, verse 6, should be fellow awares. That's his revelation. Then he describes his ministry. I've preached his ministry, but that's the revelation. Now the ministry, verse 7 through 13. 
He said, whereof I was made a what? A minister. According to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. In other words, God did a work in me. God did a work in me. I've been preaching for a few weeks on, 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 on power living, powerful living in victory. Three things you got to have to live in victory. Number one, you got to have faith. Number two, you got to be filled with spirit. And number three, you got to follow Christ. You do those three things, and I ain't preaching that tonight, but God will give you victory. Amen. If you learn to live by faith, if you learn to be filled with spirit, if you learn to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, God will change your life. Amen. It is revolutionary. Say, preacher, would he change my life? You ain't got a clue what he could do. Or do you know? I ain't got a clue what he could do. Because I had no idea he would have done what he's done thus far in my life. Amen. And he ain't finished yet. Children, you sing a little song when I was a little kid. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And by the way, we use that as an excuse for worldly living, but why don't we use it for a reason or, an ex- or, a, or a description of what God's doing in our life to make us like Christ? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Not a horrible, wicked old sinner, but a better, better servant for the Lord. Amen. But Paul said that, that revelation is given to me so I can be a minister. He said, I was made a minister. Verse 8, unto me who am less than the least... Of all the saints. I'm not going to chase the rabbit, but I'm going to say. I think one of the problems, Brother Pope, that our group has, I'm talking about preacher brethren. And I can preach about us because we is one. Is we're so full of ourselves. And who we are, and our identity, and our name, and everybody knowing what our name is. You know what Paul said when he stood, when he wrote public letters that were going to be read in every single church? You know what he wrote? He said, I'm a prisoner, and I'm less than the least of all the saints. You ever wonder why God used Paul the way he did? Because he didn't have to fight Paul. He didn't have to fight Paul. Paul was, Paul realized who he was on the Damascus Road. He was a self-righteous Pharisee, had every I dotted, every T crossed. He was righteous in the eyes of man, but in the eyes of God, he was a wicked, hell-bound sinner in need of salvation. And when God saved the apostle Paul or Saul of Tarsus at that point, he changed his life so much that Paul never got over how low he was when God saved him by his grace. By the way, Saul of Tarsus knew more Bible than anybody sitting in this room. And probably, probably lived a better life than everybody in this room. If he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, as he says, concerning the law, blameless. But he said, all those things I counted but lost that I may win Christ. And when he won Christ by grace through faith, when he obtained Christ in salvation, he all of a sudden became a prisoner. He became a bondservant. He became a man who gave his life and gave his everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, that became my ministry. He said, whom less than the least of all the saints, verse 8, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Again, you can stop and preach every verse. I'm going to keep rolling, but I'm going to say this. Have you ever thought about what all you have in Christ? Preacher, what do I have? I, can, I, I don't have time, nor do I know half of it. What all you have in Christ. 
I know you have a redeemer. I know you have an advocate. I know you have one who justifies the sinner and who redeems us from our sin. I know he is our coming king. I know he is my groom, and I am his bride, spiritually speaking. I know he is the living son of God, eternally God. But yet the riches of Christ, Paul says, I'm called to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. All you got to do is preach Jesus. If you just start talking today about what Jesus is, who Jesus is, and what he's done in life, that's all you need to tell people. Some people get down and say, Preacher, I don't know enough Bible. Do you know who Jesus is? Well, he's the Son of God. Then start talking about him. But, but I don't know a whole lot about him. Do you know he's God? Yeah, then just start talking about him. Do you know he's good? Oh, yeah. How do you know he's good? Oh, he's been good to me. How do you know? Well, he's done this. Then start talking about him. Hey, you start talking about Jesus. You start talking about the unsearchable riches of Christ, how he's changed your life, how he's working in your life, how he picks you up when you're down, how he dusts you off when you get dirty, how he changes you and makes you and molds you. I'm telling you, it'll be good news from a far country. And it'll be cool water to some thirsty souls. Paul said, that is my ministry. He said, verse number nine, and to make all men see. He said, I received a gift. I got to tell him about the grace. But he says, verse 9, it's a fellowship. And to make all men see, what is the fellowship of the mystery? <laughs> he said, what's fellowship? It's a bunch of fellas in the ship. That's what fellowship is. We like to have fellowship on the mountain. Why do you like that? Because we get all our fellows in the ship and have a good time. Amen. Amen. It is. It's good. In other words, just everybody getting together. But listen to what Paul says about what the gospel does for us. To make all men see. To make them see. By the way, church, that's why coming together like we are tonight is so precious. That other community may see. That all men may see. That they may see the fellowship of the mystery. That mystery he's already defined as the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Christ Jesus to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known how? By how? By By how? By the church, the wisdom, manifold wisdom of God. Our responsibility, church, and this was point one, big point one, is we are to reveal Christ to the world. We do it through the preaching of the gospel. We do it through living the gospel. We do it through the fellowship we have with one another. We do it by the servant spirit that we exhibit in our lives. We do it by the selfless living and the Christ-honoring living and the Christ-proclaiming living that we do every day. Because, by the way, the world knows how the world lives. What they're looking for is something different. Now, the world all the time tells our young people, you used to need to be different. Be yourself. I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you know what those, I sometimes call them morons, but I won't use that word tonight. (laughs) Do you know what they mean by that? They mean be like us. That's what they mean. But they say, oh, you don't want to be like them. You need to be yourself. You know what that means? Be like us. Be like us. Be like us. Because can I tell you, young people, you're going to be like somebody. You are going to be like somebody. Say, I'm my own man. No, you ain't. 
You are a product of the influences in your life. You are a product of who you submit your life to, who you submit your mind to, who you submit your spirit to. You are a product of who you submit to. Stop playing games. Huh, you ain't your own man. You are who you submit yourself to. Saw a guy today delivering some mail. He said, you're a more, ain't you? I said, uh, yeah. He said, well, I, I know some of you. I thought he said, I wasn't sure if he said some of my cousin Steve or some of my boys or something. I couldn't sure. I wasn't sure who I was associated with, so I was a little worried. <laughs> I really wasn't sure about that. I said, oh, okay, I, that, that's good. Waiting on what he's going to say next thing. And he said, yeah, he said, I, I worked with one of your sons, or no, I worked with one of the, a more boy up at the store, up in Hayes, Rock Creek. I said, Isaac, he said, that's him. He said, that's a good boy. I said, he is most of the time. <laughs> I said, yeah, he is. He's a good boy. Can I tell you something? It, it's sort of strange. How did he put that together? He looked at me and he looked at him and he saw a likeness. I'm sorry, son. <laughs> it's just the way it is. But he saw a likeness that put us together. When people see you, do they put a likeness with Christ together? Do they put a likeness with you? see, that's what God's called us to do. We are to reveal him to the world. That is what the church is here for in our fellowship, the gospel, the love of Christ. That is why we exist. If we exist for any other reason, we have failed to be what God called us to be. Paul said, I was given a revelation, but I was given a ministry. But then he closes all of these thoughts down into a final closing prayer. He goes on, let me keep reading verse 11, according to the eternal purpose. The eternal purpose. Church, we have an eternal purpose. According to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness. In Christ we have boldness and access with confidence by faith of him. That's where our boldness comes. That's where our confidence comes. It comes in him. He says, wherefore I desire, verse 13, that you faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. He said, don't be troubled that I'm persecuted because of that gospel preaching to you, writing to you, encouraging you. He said, that's just what it is, man. We're, we're again in that generation, Jonathan. If we don't get patted on the back, don't get encouraged along. Oh, you're the best preacher in the world. Listen, I, I had a fellow a few years ago. He said, well, the best preachers in America. I thought, who is he talking about? I said, he's crazy. <laughs> in fact, when I got up, I said, I don't know who he was introducing, but I'm going to preach next. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but I'm promising you, church, if you live godly in Christ Jesus, Paul wrote to Timothy, you're going to suffer some persecution. You will. You will. You will. You don't seek it. You don't say, I don't, I don't like to be persecuted. It makes my flesh uneasy. It makes my stomach churn. It makes my, my, my stomach climb up in my throat. I don't like persecution. I don't like to be made fun of. I don't like to be misunderstood. I, I, don't, I don't like it. But I know if I'm going to preach truth and live for truth and try to honor God with my life, it's going to happen. If I do it in the right spirit. 
Paul said, that's who, my, that's who I am. That's what my ministry is. Then I, I closed with this. He said, I've got a revelation. I've got a ministry. But guys, I've got a final prayer. And I want, I want us to zoom in on this. We've seen the first purpose of the church is the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. But begin in verse, begin in verse 14, his final prayer. He says, for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Glory to God. <laughs> you take that one home and just chew on it for a while. Of whom the whole family, the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He said that he would grant you, he's praying here, he's closing this chapter out. He said that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Good gracious, Paul. <laughs> I think you've got a serious prayer going here. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. In other words, Paul says, God, I know these guys, they love you. They're the church of the living God and they know the gospel. I've given it to them. I've given my life to give it to them. But Lord, give them strength, God. Give them grace, God. They need you. They need strength in the inner man. In the inner man. The inner man. The spirit man. The spirit man. He's got to have strength. Paul knows that's where Satan attacks us. In that inner man. He comes in our eye gate and our ear gate. He, he invades our mind. That's why Paul said, Romans 12, 1 and 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Yes, Paul said, you got to protect that spirit. He said, God, strengthen them. God, give them strength in the inner man. By his spirit. Then verse 17. We have our identity, verse 14, 15, our strength, verse 16, our comprehension, 17 and 18. He said that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. I mean, just get a hold of with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, I'm going to back up verse 18 19 here, and I'm about, to, I'm about to put the landing gear down, so don't panic. Oh, hallelujah, we're going again. No, I'm just kidding. Catch more elevation. Don't tell them. You tell me to preach longer. We'll just go on that long. I won't do that, I promise. But I want you to get a hold of this. I was reading this over. I read these verses over and over and over again. And I want you to look at it, verse 18 and 19. He said, I'm praying for them, Father. He's, I'm backing up 17, just touching here. But he said, I'm praying that Christ's going to dwell in their hearts by faith. I, they need to be rooted. They need to be grounded. By the way, where you're rooted is what's going to feed you. What you're rooted in is what's feeding you. If you're rooted in the world, you're feeding off the world. But if you're rooted in the Word, then you're going to feed off the Word. Say, so how do I know where I'm rooted? By the fruit you produce. He said, I'm praying for them, Lord. He said, they need to be rooted and what? And grounded. Rooted is what feeds you. Grounded is what holds you. Rooted is how you're fed. Grounded is what keeps you. He said, in love. He said, but here, let's hit this 18, 19, that they may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ. Now, again, there's a semicolon there at the end of 18 and 19, and I've been grammatically going over this in my little feeble brain. 
I should have had my wife right this part of the outline because she knows grammar. I just know punctuation and a few words. By the way, brother, who was it? I said, yeah. Brother asked me tonight if I like cold water or lukewarm. I said, well, I like cold water, but my wife, she's not preaching tonight, but she likes lukewarm. <laughs> so maybe I needed a bottle. I just get lukewarm. But I want you to see this. This just jumped off the page at me. He said, what is the breadth? I'm reading the end of 18. What is the breadth and length and depth and height? And I've always just flowed that into the love. But there's a semicolon there, and he says, and to know the love of Christ. So it's like and to know the love of is thrown in as an extra. In other words, what he's praying that they'll know is that they'll know the breadth and the length and the depth and height of Christ. They want him to know who Christ is. He wants him to know how big Christ is, how great Christ is, how awesome Christ is, and to know his love. I was like, whoa! If we could just get a hold of Jesus. If we could just get a hold of Jesus. Just get a hold of him and let him get a hold of us. To know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, verse 19, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Timothy, Paul, excuse me, here's praying. God, they need to know who they are. They need to know who you are, God. They need to know your fullness. They need to know your height, depth, breadth. They need to know the love of Christ. They need to know it, Lord. Why? Because that's when God changes you. I've shared my testimony a million times to our people. Saved as a nine-year-old boy. Raised around phenomenal preaching. Great preachers. God worked in my life. Did some amazing things. But I really, really struggled with a lot of things. As a 21-year-old young man, I'd come to the end of myself and I thought, man, I'm done. I'm just done. I made too many blunders. Say, people didn't know. They don't have to know. God knows. See, you, you play games all day long, but God knows who you are. My best buddy I grew up with, I was in the altar trying to get right with God. He thought I was being called to preach. That's a fact. I could bring him in here tonight and we could rehearse that conversation. I'd been in the altar on Sunday, bawling my eyeballs out. When went to work on Monday morning. This was probably when I was in college or getting ready to go. He said, I know why you went to the altar. I said, no, you don't. He said, yeah, I do. I said, no, you don't. Man, I was repenting. <laughs> he said, you've been called to preach. I, I busted out laughing. I said, miss that one. <laughs> I say that to say this. You can sit here all night long and smile at me, and I'm happy you are. I whole lot rather preach to smiling faces. But here's the reality. God knows your heart. He knows your inside and your outside. He knows your uprising and your downsitting. He knows it all. And by the way, I don't want to know it all because you don't know me a thing. I didn't create you and I didn't give my son to redeem you, but I know one who did. And if there are things in your life that nobody knows, he knows. And if you ever want to get back where you need to be, you just need to get it right with him. You see, when I got it right with him, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. By the way, that's a verse to the believer, not to the unbeliever. Praise God. 
But when I found out, J.D., how much God loved me, I knew he loved me as a sinner. I knew he wanted to keep me out of hell, Brandon. I knew that. I knew for God to love the Lord gave his only begotten son, yada, yada. We know all those verses. But I never fully understood how much he loved me as his child until I had utterly failed him. And I felt absolutely useless and worthless. Just me and him. And I fell on my face and I said, God, I sinned. I didn't say a boo-boo. I didn't say I messed up. I didn't say, Lord, well, I really didn't want to. I said, God, I sinned. And I told him what I did because he already knew. And I said, God, I deserve a beating. I deserve a whooping. I said, but God, I'm asking for mercy. And he said, I love you, son. He said, I've been waiting on you for quite a while. That night in the back Sunday school room, I fell into his arms again. And I experienced the love of a wayward son. And I found out a little more about the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of the love of God. And it caused me to want to say, God, make me a prisoner. God, if that's how much love you have, I want to be your prisoner for life. God, if that's how much love you have, I want to be your slave for life. I give you my everything. God began to change my life. God began to work in even greater ways. But I learned more of his love. How much of his love do you know? Say, preacher, I know he loved me. I know he saved me. What has he done since then? What has he done since then? How much of his love do you know past salvation? Well, I know he answered a prayer the other day. Well, how about this morning? Did he wake you up? Did you have food on your table, clothes on your back? <laughs> and by the way, he gave you all that and he knew what you did yesterday. He knew what you were thinking while the preacher was preaching. The invitation came and you were checking to see if it's race time. And he wants to have that relationship with you. Let me close with this. Now, I'm getting to the final verses, and this is going to be the whole message, and it's the closing point. Paul prays. He said, Christ is our identity. He's our strength. Give them comprehension, God, of Christ and his love. But then he closed in verse 20 and 21 that he is our glory. He says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory. Where? Where? In the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end, and all God's people said, amen. Here it is, last two verses. I broke it down. I said, man, this, this, each little piece preaches. Verse 20 starts with this. Now unto him, it's all about him. It's all about him. Why is it all about him? Because you'll read the next few words, unto him that's able. It's all about him because he's the one that's able. Well, what's he able to do? Well, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. <laughs> Amen. Hey, that's why it's all about him because he's the one that's able. And he's the one that can do more. I mean, I think about that building up there, brother. Glory to God. 
You say, preacher, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Where's your faith, friend? What kind of God do you serve? Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Hey, everybody's been looking our way the last two months. They've been looking our way. Why'd you buy that land? Preacher, leave it. I'm like, God ain't left. In case y'all didn't know it, I didn't put God in the backpack and take him with me. I didn't bring God to the mountain, and I ain't taking him away. God may be changing my location, but they're going to build a building. So what's going to be? It ain't my business. I ain't the pastor in another couple of weeks. <laughs> ain't my responsibility. I got a work to do. But I got a group of people that love God. And there's a man of God coming that's going to get the work done. Because he's got a people with a mind to work. And they got a vision. They got a heart and they got a vision. They love God. And they know how much he loves them. And so we're going to go and we're going to, why? Because it's all about him. Why? Because he's the one that's able. Well, what can he do? He can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think. That's what the book says. Verse 21 begins with the same thought. Unto him be glory. Verse 20 started unto him that is able. Well, since he's able, let's just give him glory. Unto him be glory. Where? In the church by Christ Jesus. How long is that supposed to last? Throughout all ages. World without end. In other words, so the world's done and over. Amen. Church, we got two jobs. Number one, reveal Christ to the world. You got some cool water you need to be getting out there. And you got some good news from a far country because you got neighbors dying and going to hell. I don't know what to tell them. Haven't you heard some preaching the last couple of days? I mean, just remember one point, hallelujah. Just remember one. I can't remember one. Then just tell them God's good. Because you work and live beside people that are dying. They're thirsting to death. And you've been given cool water. You're sitting here tonight. I've watched a lot of you raise your hand. I've seen some of you shout. I've seen most all of you sing. Like you believe it. That's incredible. I mean, like you believe it. I mean, you believe you, you got a cup of cool water. I mean, you, you, you're singing like you know the good news, Rick. I got a question. Who's waiting to hear it? Because Paul said our responsibility as a church is to reveal Christ to the world. Number two, we give glory in the church. You start revealing Christ to the world, I promise you, you'll bring glory to God in the church. By the way, don't get them out of order. Too many churches just want to come inside and give glory, but they ain't giving out no water. That's a false glory, friend. That's like telling mom and daddy you love them, but you ain't doing a thing they tell you to do. The dishes are piling up in the sink and the trash is overflowing and the yard's head high. But you could oh, Daddy, I love you. You're the best daddy in the world. And he says, well, where are you, son? I can't see you for the weeds. <laughs> but, Daddy, I love you. He says, son, I appreciate your glory, but I sure wish you'd go do what I asked you to do. Amen. So, church, let's give him glory tonight. Let's go reveal him to the world. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you and praise you for who you are and what you're doing.
I thank you for the church of the living God of which I'm part by grace through faith. Father, I thank you for the gospel that you've entrusted to your church, the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ to whosoever will. Father, I thank you for that night that I received that drink of cool spiritual water. Father, save my soul from a devil's hell and change my life. Father, I thank you for the man of God that preached the good news from a far country. Lord, tonight there may be someone even in this congregation who does not know Christ as their personal Savior. Lord, if they're here tonight, God, don't let them leave the building. Before they do, God, what you ask. That is with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, speak to that heart tonight for the believers. God, give us a hunger. Give us a thirsting to share Christ around the corner, across the street, and around the world. For it's in Jesus' precious name that I pray. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you stand all over the house with me tonight? We've got people are already making their way to the altar tonight. God's given us a revelation. And now we have a responsibility. Who is it? Who is it that you need to reveal the gospel to? That you need to reach? Maybe tonight while Brother Moore was preaching, maybe God laid somebody on your heart tonight. Could be a relative. It might be a mom or a dad. There may be some of you here tonight that have lost children, sons and daughters. Maybe you're here tonight, you have a lost mother, a lost dad, a co-worker. Who is it tonight that you need to reveal the gospel to? I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you in just a moment. Just I, I know it's, it's, it's crowded. It's so crowded in here tonight. But if God laid somebody on your heart tonight, I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to, ask you to step out and just tiptoe down to this altar tonight and join these. And just come tonight and get on this altar and breathe their name to the Lord and say, Lord, would you help me to reach them? Would you help me to reach them? Boy, he's right. There's somebody out there tonight that's waiting, that needs to hear about Jesus. Now, let me ask you this. In a crowd this size, this wouldn't be unheard of. I wonder if there might be one anywhere here tonight, anywhere, preacher's right or preacher's left, maybe the front or the back. You'd say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I'm not 100% sure that I'd go to heaven and I want you to pray for me. Is there one anywhere you'd slip your hand up? Let me pray for you tonight. Is there anyone like that here tonight? you say, Pastor, I'm not saved. Pray for me. So, Father, I pray that you'll work now. Many have come, and I pray maybe others need to come. I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, and God, help us to be careful to carry this message, Lord, to those that are lost and dying without Christ tonight. Have your way, please, in Jesus' name. We're just going to keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for a few moments and, and pause. And uh, listen, you're here tonight. God spoke to your heart. Why don't you slip out right now? Why don't you come? I know it's crowded. Why don't you come and seal that decision with the Lord? Would you come tonight? Would you join these that have made their way to the altar tonight? God, help me to reach that person for Christ. 
Would you come? 